You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Jack Lewin, Chief Executive Officer of the American College of Cardiology. It takes a substantial measure of time, money, and manpower to bring a new drug from the bench to the marketplace. One key aspect of this sequence is the drug approval process, which should be guided by an absolute allegiance to safety and efficacy. Many experts suggest we must do more to adhere to these principles. Where can regulatory agencies improve our drug approval process? Our guest today is Mark McClellan. Dr. McClellan is former commissioner of the FDA and former administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Dr. McClellan now directs the Engelberg Center for Healthcare Reform at the Brookings Institution. Welcome, Dr. McClellan. Jack, it's great to be with you and the ReachMD audience. Yeah, great. Well, Mark, you know, could you walk us through the current drug approval process, and I assume it's similar for devices and sort of how it happens and how we might approve it? As you mentioned in the opening remarks, there is a lot to this process for most drugs. It's a multi-phase process that starts with animal testing before drugs are even used in humans. There needs to be some clear reason to think that it's likely to be beneficial and not pose serious risks. Once the human testing begins, it's necessary to get an approval for doing new drug experimentation from the FDA. And then typically there are three phases of studies before a drug application comes to the FDA for approval in the market. First are some basic safety tests that are usually done in healthy, younger volunteers. Then the second phase is about dose finding and what's the right dose and is there really a dose-response relationship that's more about effectiveness of the so-called phase two studies. And then the largest, most expensive studies are phase three. Those are to get more precise estimates of the effect of a drug and to address any major safety concerns. And if you look back over the past decade, as you mentioned, it has taken a long time, cost a lot of money to typically get a drug to market. Those costs and that duration have been going up on average, but there's a lot of variation. And this is something I want to highlight because it's important for thinking about the drug development process going forward typical way that the approval process works is to go through these large clinical trials, cross your fingers, and hope that a drug works. But as you know, Jack, we're entering what should be an era of more targeted medicine that's based on a solid understanding of systems biology, uh, genomics, and other sciences that enable us to predict much better which drug is going to work best or which combination of drugs is going to work best and which patient. That hasn't yet been built into the drug development process, and I think it's going to take some regulatory changes at the FDA as well as some changes in the way that academic researchers and companies approach the development process at the same time. Gotcha. Well, you know, if we looked at, you know, potential reforms that might help things, how much of it do you think would be updated IT infrastructure, for instance, at FDA, or how much would be like really digging into transforming the agency operations? What would we look at as the next generation FDA? I think it is going to take some kinds of transformation. The agency certainly is underfunded. There is an unprecedented breadth of calls for increased resources to the FDA, everyone from the drug manufacturers to consumer advocacy groups like the Center for Science and the Public Interest are all consistently advocating for a substantial increase in the FDA's resources. And that's because over the past 20 years, the agency's budget has been largely static in real terms, and its staffing has been largely static, even though the 
complexity and scope of its responsibilities has gotten much, much larger, not just in terms of the complexity of drug development and monitoring, but the complexity of other medical devices, the much larger number and types of food products that the agency is expected to regulate. It needs more resources. So some of that would go to staffing. Some of that would go to IT systems. But when it comes to drug development, as I mentioned, it's also a matter of changing the process to recognize that the next generation of new drug treatments are hopefully going to be different and better than the last. You know, we're kind of moving past the era of large blockbuster drugs that we hope are going to work for a large population of patients. And even for some of the most effective of these drugs, the patient response rates on average may just be 20 or 30%. You know, we should be moving towards more targeted therapies that we can be much more confident work well in particular kinds of patients. And that means not only bringing more up-to-date staffing and technical expertise to the agency, not only bringing more up-to-date IT systems, but also bringing new models for demonstrating that drugs are safe and effective in particular patient populations. Um, Right now, the FDA doesn't have a well-established pathway, for example, for approving a new diagnostic test or set of diagnostic tests along with a drug that would target that drug to a specific population of patients. So there's some process changes needed there, too. Well, that's exciting stuff to think about. Clearly, the new administration says they want to crank some money into doing some of these things. Thinking about another aspect of drug approval, there's you know, some concerns out there and some HHS reports and other places now about potential conflicts of interest. Is there anything that, from your experience, that we ought to be doing to remove or observe better conflicts of interest, or do you think this is a large area of concern for the FDA going forward? Well, it's certainly an area of some concern. In legislation that Congress enacted in 2007, it heightened the level of attention that FDA needs to pay to the disclosure of conflicts of interest, to the involvement of people who are on FDA expert advisory committees with companies that are related to the ones that are bringing a drug before the FDA. You know, it's a little bit of a difficult situation because most of the expert academic researchers in a particular area are doing studies that involve drugs or other technologies in that area, and that involves some connection to industry funding for the research itself. So the FDA is trying to strike a balance and trying to find a way forward where they get independent perspectives and a broad range of perspectives, but also make sure they've got appropriate expertise in in any particular subject area. I think you're going to see going forward more attention to transparency in this area. So, you know, in the past, you know, physicians have submitted articles and they've written down some of their financial ties when those are reported. I think those are going to get a lot more scrutiny. We're seeing that already. So my advice would be for any physician involved in this kind of research to focus on complete transparency and in the review process to make sure all of these disclosures are well known and to make sure that in terms of technical advice, expert advice for any particular drug, that there is a range of perspectives that recognizes that you may need some expertise from people who have financial connections to the kinds of studies being done, but that that's fully transparent and out there, and the FDA and other experts involved in the process can conduct an informed analysis based on all of that. We certainly see that happening everywhere, guidelines and everything else, so it's in that direction of transparency. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD Radio XM 160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jack Lewin. 
Our guest is Dr. Mark McClellan, Director of the Engelbert Center for Healthcare Reform at the Brookings Institution and previously uh, Commissioner of the FDA and CMS. We're discussing the drug approval process at the FDA. And I know you've talked quite a bit about the need for an active drug surveillance system to look post-approval at actually safety in the market. Any comments about what we could do there in the future? Well, that's an area where physicians should expect to see some major changes coming in the near future. Again, this goes back to the point I was trying to make about the old 20th century style of reviewing and then regulating the availability of drugs to what should be a more targeted and much more information-rich approach for the 21st century. Because of the concerns about drugs like Vioxx and Avandia, where they were used by many people and millions of patients before the risks associated with them could be well-defined, Congress did pass legislation that gives the FDA much more funding and the authority to set up what uh, I've called an active surveillance system for drugs that are on the market. So uh, FDA has relied on physician reports of adverse events involving drugs, and many of your listeners, I'm sure, have called in or done online reports to the FDA's MedWatch program about adverse events for their patients. Oh, if we had better HIT, we could do that so much more effectively, too. Exactly. It should be much more automatic. So uh, virtually all prescriptions in the United States have some element of electronic transmission involved in them now because of the new financial incentives that Congress just enacted. We should be getting a much broader use of fully prescribing over the next few years. And so that means there's a potential for automatically capturing much more comprehensive population data on the use of drugs or combinations of drugs in different types of patients and what kinds of adverse events they experience. Now, this is not randomized controlled trial. These are observational databases, but they give us the potential for identifying safety signals and following up on them much more quickly and comprehensively than in the past. And I also think these systems are going to be very useful for identifying which patients seem to respond best and which patients avoid complications. You know, take a drug like Vioxx. There were some patients who did seem to do very well on it, didn't have side effects. We don't have a very good understanding of the clinical factors behind that. Uh, Hopefully, we can do a much better job of that sort of thing in the future. So, what we're hopefully headed towards is a much more comprehensive approach to understanding the safest and most effective use of drugs. It doesn't stop when a drug is approved. You know, at that point, we don't just cross our fingers and hope that sometime down the road, we'll hear about serious side effects like cardiovascular events, but rather we can monitor any potential concerns like that much more actively going forward and give physicians much more specific advice about when the drugs are actually turning out to work well in patients and when they're not. Looking back at your experience as commissioner and then looking ahead to whomever Mr. Obama appoints in this role, what do you see are the big challenges and opportunities for this successor coming in the next couple of years? Being a commissioner of the FDA is, I think, one of the toughest and most interesting jobs in government. You're regulating 25% of the economy. No matter what you do, you're going to be criticized. Uh, You're doing something every day that matters to the public. On the other hand, because the job has such an impact on the health of Americans, it's a real opportunity to make a difference. I see the new FDA commissioner having some big challenges, but also some big opportunities. First, there is more work that needs to be done to 
restore more faith in the FDA's leadership. It's been uh, tough over the last few years without having a confirmed commissioner in place for much of it and with all the budget and policy challenges that we've already talked about. Second, the new commissioner needs to take some further steps on food safety and import safety, but there's some good ideas and good opportunities for doing that. Again, using not just more inspections and more resources, but better science, identifying the highest risk areas and focusing in resources on those areas. And as we've already talked about, I think there's a real potential to bring both the regulatory process and the drug development process into more of a 21st century stance that is based on more targeted medical therapies and uh, better prediction of which patients are going to respond to treatments, not have side effects, and then better follow-up to make sure that that's actually the case than we've been able to do in the past because of implementing this whole active surveillance system. One of the health care bills that then-Senator Obama introduced in Congress was a bill about personalized medicine that envisions a new kind of role for the FDA in helping to coordinate developing the science of targeted medical products in conjunction with other federal agencies and the private sector. You can envision having a public-private process that does a better job of sharing insights about which patients are responding to particular kinds of therapies that could really both improve safety and improve effectiveness. One example of this, just to end on, is with the treatments for HIV, where back in the late 1980s, we had virtually nothing. And there's a collaborative effort pushed by patient advocacy groups, but also many clinical research groups, companies working with the FDA and the NIH to really develop the science around how to show that new HIV treatments were safe and effective and could work in particular populations of patients. That's where markers of treatment response like viral load were validated and became a basis for approving new drugs. And the result for HIV is that we made a tremendous amount of progress. The average amount of time to get an HIV treatment to market is less than four years, and very, very few of them have been removed from the market or even had their labels substantially modified, and we've made tremendous medical progress there. Well, we need to have that same kind of scientific collaboration in other areas, Alzheimer's disease, some of the new promising uh, targeted cancer therapies or combinations of therapies that are coming along. And there's a lot of potential, and it's a critical time for the FDA to help fulfill that potential. Yeah, getting patient advocacy in there is, is really important, isn't it? That, that Absolutely. really did a lot with HIV. We've been talking with Dr. Mark McClellan about the potential for reform of FDA's drug approval process. Dr. McClellan, thank you for being our guest. It's great to join you. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.